right, welcome back. We are on to week three of the FCS season, week three of the Montana Mint Sports Podcast. We thank Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs for playing us in once again to get us rolling. We're still early in the season. We still have a lot of football to play, but I can tell you this, we are recording this on Monday evening. I have the Monday night football game on in the background. I don't know, Bear Tycoon, if I have watched this much football this early in the season in my life. I definitely haven't. Uh, we were talking before we started on here. I think I watched like 45 hours of actual football. Friday night, a lot of games on. Saturday all day. Sunday all day. What an absolute great, great weekend. Not a lot of great football, but a lot of great outcomes for our teams. Yeah, and I think it's the absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of concept here. You and I didn't give a shit about spring yep. season. We took a little sabbatical during the summer, letting everybody else talk about the recruiting and the summer camps and the fall camps and the spring camps, whatever camps there were. You and I were out, you know, just living life, letting everybody else do that. Then we get back. We get a full slate of games last week. We get a full slate of games this last weekend. And uh, I think it's just... Uh, it's the perfect match for you and I when we get the actual football back. We didn't get to see it for 600 and some days. And now we're like, you know, kids and we're, we're in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory right now. Yeah. We're eating all of the chocolate that we see. We're a little bit sick today from all of it. But there's really no other way to put it is that we got into the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> we hadn't had it for a while. And now we are just sick off of football. Yeah. And everyone's ready to party. I mean, an absolute packed house. In Bozeman for the first home game. Absolute packed house in Missoula for their first home game. Scotty Mint just sent me a picture of a new shirt that he bought with Whiplash the monkey on it. He's ready to party this year. We're all ready to party. It is just so good to be out and have some sense of normalcy. But yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's fun watching football. And it just, it really feels like this season, uh, it, it, it feels like we haven't missed a beat since 2019. Yeah, and I think uh, you're right. They were trying to get that sense of normalcy, and there was definitely zero uh, restrictions on fans getting into the two uh, Montana games, that's for sure. So um, full, like you said, packed houses. The atmosphere was there. You know, I had both games on the TV, and we'll get into them in a second, but it was just so cool to see the Montana schools really leading the way again in that atmosphere, fans in the stadium. Really uh, coming together was cool to both games were under the lights. I think that adds yeah. to a huge first game atmosphere. Yep. So it was it was definitely a fun uh, first home weekend. You get those FBS games out of the way. You start getting into kind of start settling into what your team's going to look like against, I guess, a comparable uh, competition. Yep. And it was uh, you know it's fun to it's fun to see that too. The FBS games are fun to get on the schedule, but it's really fun when you get to see what they're going to start doing against teams in their own um, division. So we're actually, this week, we're going to start out because the two games that we cared most about the best games were Montana State and U of M. And we're going to start out with Montana State. And in front of 20,000 fans wearing gold and seeing MSU football in person for the first time in over 630 days, the Bobcats rolled the Pioneer League's Drake Bulldogs 45-7 to in dominating fashion. MSU opened up as a 29.5-point favorite over the non-athletic scholarship team from Iowa, and it was the perfect way to schedule the 2021 home opener at Bobcat Stadium. It counted as an FCS win for the Cats, and it put, a, it put on a show for the Bobcat faithful. There has to be a certified lover boy Drake joke in here somewhere, <laughs> but I seriously cannot think of one. I'm not that hip, but there has to be one. Did you come up with hey, any? Hey, producer Jerry, cut this, insert uh, the joke, and then we'll run from there. All right, so we're going to come up with a Drake Certified Lover Boy 
joke, I promise. But MSU's offense was a little slow to get started. The running game looked a little disjointed. That could have been nerves. They're playing in front of fans for the first time. Well, their own fans for the first time in over 630 days. Star back of Isaiah Fonse got off to a little bit of a slow start, but the Cats did get on the board first with a Blake Glessner field goal. Then two touchdown passes from Matt McKay to Willie Patterson of 23 and 31 yards broke the game wide open. Willie Patterson, he was pretty excited. He pulled out the backflip in the end zone after that second <laughs> touchdown, got awesome. the flag, but nobody cared. It was it a was great backflip. Awesome. And he did not care. I don't. They didn't even show on the sidelines. They never showed. It was the weirdest telecast. They never showed Brett Vegan on the sideline. I would have loved to see his uh, reaction when Willie Patterson did that. But he definitely put on a show for the crowd. They loved that. That was his first and second career touchdown passes. So you do you, Willie. That was fantastic. That backflip was athletic. The Cats tacked on another touchdown with a Fonse four-yard run to take a 24-0 lead. Drake showed a little bit of life before the half with a touchdown in the waning seconds to take it to 24-7 going into halftime, but that was all that they got on Saturday night. Budding star receiver Lance McCutcheon caught a 45-yard touchdown pass from McKay in the third quarter to put the Cats up 33-7. And then lineman Ryan Davis poached a touchdown from his teammate Isaiah Fonse when he jumped on the loose ball that the star running back coughed up on the goal line. It was a fumble recovery score. If Fonse did not get credited with that touchdown, but the Cats tacked on seven more. Finally, Captain Tucker Rovick getting some snaps. In cleanup time, he hit Cameron Gardner with a perfect 28-yard dime to close out the game. 45 points on the scoreboard for Montana State. Only seven for lowly Drake. It was dominating performance by MSU. It's one that we all expected to see from MSU. I think a lot of us knew that they were going to be able to cover that spread against Drake. But it's so nice to see them go out there, keep their foot on the gas pedal. Rovig even got some time. A lot of a lot of guys saw some playing time this weekend. And they got that first FCS win in front of a ton of crazy Bobcat fans. What did what was your first impressions kind of when you were watching that game on ESPN? So Plus? when they brought uh, Tucker Rovig out, it's like when the Miami Heat used to bring Udonis Haslam off the bench. Like, end of the game, fan favorite. He put in his time. He's a Bobcat Montanan for life. It's just good to see him out there. The captain, Tucker Rovig, getting some snaps. But, you know, look, the I think this is very much what we expected out of the Bobcats uh, going into this year. Very high expectations. You and I have talked about this on past episodes against Wyoming. Didn't get the uh, outcome necessarily that we wanted, but a very competitive, very strong game from the Cats. They should absolutely dominate a team like Drake, and they did. 38-point victory. Yep. It was never close. Like you, taught, you let off saying this was a bit of a slow start, which is true. But, like, Drake was never in this football game. The Cats got on the board. I don't think Drake scored until the second half. That's Is that right? No, 11. Well, basically, 11 seconds left in yeah, the first right. half. So you could almost say yeah, it, was, I mean, it was about as close to the second half as you could get without <laughs> exactly. actually being in it. It was, just, it was an overall just dominant performance. Um, you know, Coach Vegan, a huge win for them. And it's going to be super exciting to see what they do uh, this coming weekend against San Diego. FCS San Diego you all are going to have two FCS wins without playing a scholarship player. It's pretty cool. And, and you know what? I you, cool. you kind of made a good point there. I went all in on the offense uh, in my little yeah. rambling to start the show. I didn't talk about the defense at all. The defense was fantastic. Montana State outgained Drake 435 <laughs> yards to 228. Montana State was shutting down any resemblance of a running game that Drake might have had. 
And, you know, we always think of Troy Anderson, Troy Anderson being that star player, and he's that one, you know, back in the day on college football on EA Sports, you had that impact player. Yep. Troy Anderson would no doubt, if EA Sports' college football was still around, would be the impact player on that Bobcat defense. But really, this was an unbelievable team defensive win for Montana State. Ty Okada, I, I think I was texting you and putting it in the Slack while that game was going on. Ty Okada had seven tackles. He was everywhere. He had a he had an interception that was called back after a replay. Um, but Ty Okada was the most impressive defensive player to me. The Cats got three sacks. They were they were uh, pestering Mr. Ian Corwin, the quarterback from Drake, on every snap. The defense was amazing. Trey Anderson did clock in six six total tackles. He also got a nice roughing the passer when he drilled the Drake quarterback a little bit after he threw the ball. He was just trying to get in there and make some plays. Um, But Ty Okada was my defensive kind of MVP of this game, hitting the guys in the backfield, uh, coming up from his safety position to really make some plays. So Ty Okada kind of gets my game ball there on the defensive side of things. on, uh, on Saturday, but you know, McKay, Afonso, McCutcheon, the big three right now, I think for Montana state, Willie, uh, he did have those, uh, two touchdowns, uh, his first two career touchdowns, but Lance McCutcheon, another amazing game, seven receptions, 121 yards and a touchdown. He's right now fifth in the conference in receiving, which is awesome. You don't usually, you know, in the years past, we don't see Montana state receivers being anywhere near the top yep. 10. Uh, in receiving in the big sky. So McCutcheon being fifth there is amazing. McKay, another game with no turnovers and very, very good numbers. 19 to 25 for three touchdowns and 256 yards. Got it done when he needed to do. And Afonso started out a little slow, basically got two touchdowns. One officially had 60 yards. So that the, the big three of that Montana State offense right now really got things going. And Afonso is right now fourth in the conference in rushing. So that offense, something that we haven't known the Cats for in the last – four years probably. I mean, we've known Afonso, obviously, because the running game was the biggest thing for the Cats, but to have your quarterback come out and do that, to have your running back be able to get those two touchdowns that we're used to out of him, and then McCutcheon to step up uh, and be a star receiver right now for the Cats has been really impressive to watch. And like you also alluded to, Coach Brett Vegan's first victory as a head coach, quite a way to get it, 45-7. to He wishes he would have had it last week, but um, yeah, you're right. Getting that non, uh, no, no one's gonna know when they look back on his career that his first victory came against a bunch of dorks that don't get athletic scholarships yeah. in the pioneer. Big time dorks, but also a yeah, it's an FCS program. This is not a D two program. This is not Simon Fraser. This is an FCS program. This is how the it's an American the conference team. are set yeah. up. They are yeah, they are on the continental United States within our territory. A U.S. team. I wonder though. We talked about the defense, and I, I want to pose this question to you. So, Cats defense looked dominant today. When you look at uh, co-assistant vice coordinator at the University of Texas, Jeff Choate, his team j- just gave up 40 points, 471 yards to Arkansas of all teams. Did Montana State and their players make Jeff Choate look better, or is this just his like legacy living on through the Cats? Well, I believe Choate is a co-defensive coordinator, so he only actually gets credited for giving up 200 <laughs> yards uh, in that game, which is points. actually pretty impressive yeah. when you think about the Big They would have won 21-20 to 20 if you just well, that was Jeff SEC, Choate's, actually. Uh, it was SEC football, I guess. Great point, Nate. Yeah, so if you take – yeah, exactly. If you take Choate's uh, contribution to that game, Texas would have won, and maybe that's something they need to look at if they're going to get rid of that co-title. Um, also, you didn't mention uh, the stadium upgrades and how good those looked. 
they did look good, and I know what you're going to bring up after I talk about this. But the 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 Bobcat, the the new building in the end zone, the BAC, I believe it is called. It looked really good. I'm still a little bit underwhelmed. I wish it was a little bit taller. I guess I wish they would have somehow integrated the scoreboard into it. I don't know all the plans, obviously. But on TV, watching them walk, uh, run out from the middle of that with the Bobcat head, with the horses and the rodeo team still bringing them out. It was really cool to see that they came straight out to the. Um, to the big end zone so it was fun to see that building it did add a little bit it closes off that um closes off that side of the stadium which i thought uh, you know makes it it's slowly turning into a, a little bit bigger time stadium when you get some work done um, on the opposite side of the new yeah. end zone so yes it looked good uh it was hard to tell sometimes on that espn plus telecast which we may go into later uh the cameras were horrible the lighting was horrible everything was basically horrible about that telecast but when you did see it it was fantastic yeah it is the building looks awesome the new additions there look awesome it is really funny to see your shitty scoreboard and jumbotron it's pretty the michael bad. scott flat screen of jumbotrons <laughs> sitting in front of that in, in front of that building um so, but it, it's a huge upgrade for the, you know, for the, for the stadium and the, and the state as a whole. Uh, but that, that Jumbotron, man, you might as well not have one. It is so, it is like when you used to go to your friend's house in the nineties, who's had a big screen TV and it took up like half a room and it was so wide behind, it weighed like a million pounds. That's, it was like the back projector. Yeah. That is your guy's Jumbotron. It took like four people to it move is, it. It is, it is. Oh, it's bad. I agree with you. That Jumbotron, I would rather just... You can't see anything on it anyway, so I agree. Everyone's got phones. Uh, just watch the replays on your phones on ESPN+. Plus. We don't need that Jumbotron. Maybe that's where we get into replays on your phone via an in-stadium app. That's how we're going to make money. I like money. it. I like it. That's our million-dollar idea. Trademark. That's right. Don't, nobody can steal that. There's an NDA just by <laughs> downloading this podcast. I love it, man. Um, anything? Any other thoughts so, on the all cats all? or... Nope. All in all, it's the it's we talked about this on our first episode. Uh, the Cats' schedule really lended itself to getting back into the swing of things. Went to Wyoming, did what they needed to do there. Didn't come out with the win, but it was good. We knew that they had a, the next four games were not going to be the toughest on the schedule yeah. when you look at Sagarin or the early season rankings. They got they did what they needed to do against Drake, and they put up big numbers and held them to only one touchdown with 11 seconds left. It was everything you needed the Cats to do to be confident in which way this team is going. Like you said, we'll get into the games a little bit. The this week, this coming week's games a little bit, but they get another uh, Pioneer League team that they should be able to to handle. So all in all, it's starting out exactly what you wanted to. Their FCS wins. They got some points on the board, and uh, week two was definitely a success for Montana yeah, State. Yeah, did exactly what we wanted them to. When you play a weaker team like that, if you are actually a top tier FCS, top tier Big Sky team, you got to kick their butts. That's what they did. And transitioning to the Grizz game, that's exactly what Montana did. You know, ranked number four in the country, number one in the Big Sky Power Rankings, and number one in my heart. They went into Washington Grizzly Stadium for the first time this season and just absolutely took it to Western Illinois, the leathernecks of Western Illinois. Um, you know, it really felt in my mind that this was a continued celebration from the Grizz fan base of last week's win over Washington. Uh, Bobby Houck after the game he, he, he was just, I saw some quote where he was like, the stadium was just so fun and full and it was awesome. And then I wrote this part down. I told our players this week, you really haven't seen uh, the full force. And it was full tonight. It was a load of fun. Everyone was enjoying it. The Grizz not only performed, but the fans were still looking for that outlet to celebrate the huge win over Washington the week before. Uh, there was some worry among Someone on this podcast, not me, but someone on this podcast that maybe this was going to be 
a letdown game for the Grizz. That was not the case. They absolutely handed it to uh, Western Illinois up 21-7 at halftime. That's a bit deceptive. Um, I think that there was, I forget if it's at the end of the first half or right at the beginning of the second half, but Western Illinois had a touchdown uh, taken off the board for a penalty. It was the first quarter. It was. It would have made the game 7-7. Seven, 7-7. Seven, seven. So, like, that really kind of, uh, final score, you know, Grizz 42, Western Illinois 7. That's an ass kicking. But unlike the Cat game, which was clearly the Cats from the beginning, for the first, like, few minutes of that Grizz game, I was at least, like, considering that this may be an upset or at least may not be as easy of a win, easy of a win as I thought it would be. But I mean, this absolute, absolute, absolute rolling. The Grizz defense uh, has not allowed a touchdown since 10 minutes left in the first quarter against UW. Uh, the only seven points that came uh, this week was on an interception return by Michael Lawson from Western Illinois and a Cam Humphrey pick. Uh, he talked to a lot of Grizz fans. Some thought Cam Humphrey looked dominant. Others, Mike Nugent from the Grizz Fan Pod, thought he looked a little shaky. We'll call it elite-ish. When you look at his actual numbers, if you look at the outcome of the game, uh, 42-7, Cam Humphrey, 250 yards, five touchdowns in the air, 35 yards uh, on the ground. The two interceptions stand out. There was a few other picks where that two could have been three. It could have been four. Um but at the end of the day, all that matters is the win. All that matters are results. Cam Humphrey has done everything that we've asked of him so far. Is a huge just confidence boost in my mind. I'm definitely on the on the side that he looks dominant. Looks like in the top half of the Big Sky Conference in terms of quarterbacks. Maybe next week or the week after, we'll rank all the Big Sky quarterbacks as we see them, Nate. Um, other notable things from this game, probably the most notable, gave uh, Coach Bobby Houck win number 100 as head coach of the Grizz. So hats off to him. Uh, I encourage you to listen to the Grizz Fan Pod. They're going to go three hours on this game. But all I'll say is, you know, going in, my expectations were that the Grizz were going to win. My hope was that they were going to win in a big manner. They did win in a big manner. That second half, they just absolutely rolled them. Um, at 42-7, final score. It's it's just what you want to see out of a team like this. The, the, the stadium was rocking. There's a new beer garden, which seemed to keep some folks in in the, in the third quarter. It, it Just completely anecdotally, from my perspective, it seemed like the stadium was more full in the third quarter than in years past. But uh, it, it just seems like we are moving in the right direction. If this is actually a top four team in the country, you have to dominate a team like Western Illinois. That's what we did. It's just very, very good to see. Nate, your yeah, and I was I was holding out hope that this was I was holding out hope this was going to be the the letdown game. You know, I saw I was watching both games and saw Western Illinois score that touchdown uh, to get to seven to seven. I was excited. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, just putting a bunch of tweets in my drafts, ready to throw them out at the Grizz fan pod guys. Um, and you know, uh, that touchdown got called off the board. I'm like, okay, it's still seven. zero. got to 14. zero. then Michael Lawson had that interception return yep. for Western Illinois to get to 14, seven. And then cam, I mean, it looks like we're going into halftime at 14, seven or at least 17, seven. If the Grizz kick a field goal, which actually they wouldn't have because cam Humphrey threw that 18 yard touchdown pass, uh, to Mitch Roberts with only one second left on the clock. That thing was a bullet from Cam Humphrey. I was actually pretty impressed by that uh, touchdown throw there. Got it to 21-7 to at halftime, and I think that's when you kind of knew they had broke the spirits of Western Illinois uh, in a game that could have been 14-7 uh, 
14 all if they put I mean everything changes if you, yeah. you know, get that touch on the board I get that but could have been 14 all going into the half it could have been 14 7 going into the half the Grizz then get the ball back to start the third quarter so it's basically like they get back-to-back possessions there second half was obviously all Grizz uh, scoring 21 unanswered in the between the third and fourth quarter so there was no no doubt after you got into the third quarter I, I mean when I saw that pass with a le- one second left uh, before half that's when I knew it was absolutely over um, there's no way that anybody's coming back from 21-7 the way the Grizz were playing in that stadium after um, you know that game against Washington you could tell this defense was going to clamp down and the defense did the defense very impressive right now obviously only 111 yards given up uh, through the air only 40 yards given up on the ground they just absolutely suffocated Western Illinois and it's actually pretty impressive that Western Illinois even stayed in the game to even have yeah. any hope going into halftime before that backbreaker touchdown so you know like you said the Grizz defense is, hasn't given up a point in however long it's 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 super impressive i was really hoping this western illinois team would would uh get me a win um but was not the case uh, this week and the grizz did what you know everybody thought they were going to do and yeah you know, my icarus uh stories and my saying don't fly too close to the sun and you know comparing them to chadron you know i was kind of just you trying tried. to speak it into existence to your credit you i tried. tried and you know the effort was there yeah and it wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't going to bet my mortgage on um, Western Illinois to win this game or even cover, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, it was 100% all just trying to speak it into existence, like all of the self-help and, um, you know, uh, all those different uh, books and videos I watch on YouTube tell me to do is talk it into existence. <laughs> I tried my hardest. I tried. Yeah, you tried your best. Um, it, you know, uh, it is... So the Grizz going to bye week, we'll talk about this in a second, but couldn't really ask for anything more than this. I assumed we were going to be one and one. I was somewhat worried just based on the last time we played this team, we were going to be 0-2. I'm a huge pessimist when it comes to all my favorite sports teams. Um, but to be 2-0 and after this, to be looking very, very solid, and you know where there were areas of shaking it so western illinois while it was close never once did they look like they were on the same level of competition as the grizz but like we've talked about the past few weeks you can't make mistakes the grizz were i don't know if i'd say making mistakes early on but at least keeping western illinois in the game then that pick six like the grizz were a better team they're bigger they're faster but they're letting they're letting western illinois stay in the game that's just always worrisome we now have a bye week to kind of fix any kinks in the system uh, and hopefully come back with a, with a healthy running back core because we've been dealing with a, with a very banged up backfield. So um, yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into the bye week here in a second, but uh, yeah, I'm very, very happy with how the Grizz Grizz performed. Any closing thoughts on, on the Grizz? No, no, no more closing thoughts on them. I don't have anything else to speak into existence this week uh, on the bye week either. So it's a little bit, Probably going to be boring for the Grizz fan podcast to listen to my spots this week so they don't have, you know, they're going to have to come up with their own content for their podcast this week uh, yeah. instead of talking about what I was saying about them. So, you know, I apologize to them for not giving them a lot of, you know, um, conversation starters uh, yeah. for this week. But um, at some point you have to come up with your own content, I figure. Yeah, well, hats off to uh, Patrick O'Connell. Nine total tackles, a forced fumble. Jace Lewis had a forced fumble. He came up big. Uh, this game and Marcus Wellnell, who had the big, who had uh, uh, played awesome against Washington, he had to pick this game, uh, six, six uh, tackles and a a quarterback hurry. Also, want to give a shout out to Malik Flowers, who had 
uh, just on three receptions, but 100 yards, two touchdowns, um, big deep threat Malik. It, uh, you know, is that your nickname for him? Like that's the that's the that's the that working. What you're literally talking about? Yeah, that's the the working nickname. Big deep threat. Malik. Big deep threat rolls off Malik. the tongue, man. Flowers. Yeah. Three receptions, hundred yards, two touchdowns. Um, it's really exciting. It's rough to come up with a nickname for him because he doesn't have like a real word, like an actual word in the English language is either one of his um, first or last name, you know? So I could see how it'd be really hard to come up with something. Uh, a bunch of for touchdowns for a bunch of flowers. Malik. A bouquet of touchdowns? Right. A bouquet of yards? All right. We'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> well, we're going to get away from this. Just a little bit of a side note, just kind of give some comparison between who the cat, the, the skills and the ratings of, of who the cats and the Grizz played last week. Uh, the newest Sagarin ratings came out. I did write them all oh, down. Good. Bear Tycoons in my brain, they work in dumb ways. We need to see numbers. We want rankings. We want quick hit yep. stats. We don't deep dive into literally anything probably in our lives. So, Drake, Sagarin rating 238. Oof. Western Illinois, 180. So, Western Illinois comes in about, what, 58 spots better than Drake uh, in the Sagarin rating. So, obviously, the Western Illinois, um, just based on a totally analytic and computer generated ranking system uh, was the better opponent of the week between the two uh, between the two schools uh, and we'll get into Ooh. it later but Western Illinois uh, is in for a test this week because they have to go play Ewood so that will give us a nice little comparison um, because again our brains are dumb and all we're going to do is compare how Eastern Washington and Montana are based on next week's game against Western definitely Illinois. so Drake the difference between Drake and Western Illinois and the Sagarin rankings 58 spots. That's a significant number of Correct. spots. If you take where the Grizz are ranked and look 58 spots above them, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So that is the difference Ooh. in quality between Drake, Western Illinois, <laughs> Montana, Notre Dame. Just a couple data points. Wow, that's, that's a good one. Too. I like your yeah, comparison. a couple data points to noodle over. <laughs> I like it. We'll be noodling over those for a while. Should we get into our rundown? We're gonna get into some other games. Let's do it. Let's do it. So the yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start off. You know, the rest of the Big Sky slate. It didn't really uh, unless you were putting some money on it, which we did. There were some people from the Montana Mint that were throwing down a little yeah. bit of scroll on some of these. We games. encourage you to do so. First Montana one we Lottery. We encourage you to reach out to us to, uh, to talk about some sponsorships here. But yeah, go into it, Nate. Well, we, I think it's you have to do it responsibly. Do it responsibly. Right? And if you have a gambling problem, you call like one eight hundred Gambler. That sounds right. So that's how we can do a great ad read for the lottery. Reach out to us if anybody knows anybody at the lottery. But anyway, we're going to start out with NAU in South Dakota. South Dakota handling Oof. NAU pretty easily. As has been the case the last three seasons, the Lumberjacks of NAU took the field with the best uniforms in the conference. Oh, we love them so. The best. Barry Tycoon and I, number one NAU fans, probably in the big sky if you just base off uniforms. Yeah. Uh, here's what I love about Northern Arizona. Their uniforms and Case Cookies. And yeah, I mean, our again, our dumb brains. This is the third time we're going to mention our dumb brains in the last five minutes of the podcast, which would really show yeah. you what you people are listening to right now. Uh, but yes, it's NAU uniforms case cookies. That's all you need. That's all you need. So they come out in the best uniforms in the conference, but they left the field with yet another loss. NAU has yet to win more than four games in a season since 2017, oh. and they're not starting off the 2021 season looking like. They'll get to the elusive fifth win this year. After losing to defending kind of asterisk asterisk champion Sam Houston State last week, the Jacks were easily handled in Vermilion, 34-7 at the hands of South Dakota. The Yotes got out to a 34-0 lead before NAU got on the board late in the third quarter, and South Dakota was never tested by the boys from Flagstaff. If I have to say something nice about NAU, they didn't allow any points to the Coyotes' offense in the second half. 
That's about all I have, though. NAU has been outscored 76-23 in their first two games, and they will need to find some offense if they're going to make any noise in the big sky. Right now, the Lumberjacks are wielding mere hatchets. <laughs> Those are my closing, <laughs> closing thoughts on NAU. I like it. They got their ass kicked 34-7. 34-7, absolute ass kicking. They got their ass kicked the week before by another FCS team. Now, granted, these are two good FCS teams, Sam Houston South Dakota, those are, you know, top tier FCS teams, but Northern Arizona didn't do anything to spark confidence They're without quarterback Keandre Woodty. He exited that first game with an injury. There's not a lot of good press out of uh, Northern Arizona. So we don't really know what's happening with them. Case Cookus would just disappear for games at a time. The only way we would ever get it is by, by like DMing him to figure out what was going on. Um, so I would say out of the Big Sky Conference, we'll get to this. They've had the least impressive uh, resume of the 13 teams in the conference. But uh, yeah, man, this was this like most of the games and we don't need to harp on it with every one of them. This was just a not fun game to watch. They got their butts kicked. This was one of the few FCS versus FCS games this week. Um, and I always try to give like players a shout out when we go through every game and no one really stood out. I don't think I mentioned, I don't think I mentioned one name of a player that played. In it's just game. like you look, you listener pause this, go look at the box score and DM us with like, Oh, you should have given so-and-so a shout out. Like there is just no one on this roster, this game that stood out from Northern Arizona. Not one. Nothing. There's absolutely yeah. nothing. Um, you know, the only other thing I could take from this is I think, uh, you know, South Dakota located in Vermilion, South Dakota. I think that's a super cool name yeah. of the town. Every time I see it and every time I say it, I'm like Vermilion. That's that's a cool, cool tidbit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like, I like their logo. I like, it's like a paw with the SD. Yeah. Um, we'll see them in the playoffs, like South Dakota. This, they'll probably, they'll be in the playoffs. Maybe I'm assuming yeah, they're they good. almost beat Kansas. They almost beat Kansas. Yeah. Uh, and again, we're going to have another comparison game. Again, we'll get into it, but South Dakota takes on Cal Poly this week, so we'll see uh, when we compare Poly and NAU, who's at the basement of the Big yeah, Sky right that now. Will be that will be the question. Um, I have nothing else to say on this game. Do you? Me neither. Let's right. get on to your next one. One game, uh, not a good score, but that was actually fun to watch, and it's because we were high on UC Davis in the offseason. We are high on them two weeks into the season. Someone wake up the folks over at the Walter Payton Award headquarters because UC Davis quarterback Hunter Rodriguez went absolutely nuts on hapless San Diego over the weekend, racking up over 300 yards in the air, five total touchdowns. Hey, Nate, McAllen Castles, what is that? Is it a good scotch? Um, nope. Could be. Is it a no. real estate development that your uncle keeps trying to sell you on? Nope. McAllen Castles is a sophomore tight end who caught not one, but two touchdown passes from Rodriguez. H-Rod also hit Jared Harrell for one, CJ Hutton for one, and rumbled into the end zone for one uh, that he didn't have to share with anyone else. To the dismay of of all 1,700 fans and paid attendance, it was never close in Terrero Stadium in San Diego. Davis up 22-0 at the half and 53-7 at the final whistle. They made no mistakes against Tulsa last week. No big mistakes this week against San Diego. You see Davis, but you don't see many mistakes from these Aggies. Davis looking mighty frisky in the Big Sky Conference, Nate. What are your thoughts on UC Davis. 
Well, right now they're obviously the class of Northern California. Yes. They're the class of the schools located on 80 up here in Northern Colorado, <laughs> in Northern California. They're leaps and bounds above those fakers from Sac State. And we'll get into Sac State later. It's complete frauds. Yes. Fraud Central. We now have our newest, in my opinion, Case Cookus, where I am falling for Hunter Rodriguez as hard as H-Rod. I fell for Case Cookus. And Jake Mayermeyer tried, tried hard mm-hmm. to get us to fall for him like we had fallen for Case Cookus. But Hunter Rodriguez is right now the bell of the big sky ball. Yes. That's really good alliteration, too. I didn't even plan that. Bell of the big sky ball. Hunter, bell of the big sky ball. So Hunter Rodriguez right now between his two games, uh, Tulsa and San Diego, he's 50 of 72 for 633 yards, five touchdowns. He's averaging 317 yards a game, and he's doing it with one of the best mustaches in the the game. best mustache, not Sagarin ranking of mustaches in Division One, top, top five. five for sure. And it's not like a, it's not like a giant mustache. It's not like a, a, a a big bushy mustache. It's just it's not like a hunter. It's not like that Gardner Minshew one where it goes down. Yeah, either. it is. I think this might be the first person to ever wear this specific mustache, and he is doing it while dominating Big Sky Conference football. I love him. Yeah, and I think we look at – you look at – I love him too. And you look at the passing uh, leaders right now in the Big Sky. I know obviously we're very early into the season. But you have, you know, above him, Davis Alexander from Portland State. Yeah, whatever. Eric Barrierier is just too cliche to like him. It's too cliche yeah. to have him be your favorite quarterback that's not on your home team. Like everybody has Eric Barrierier on their on their list, on their watch list. Uh, think he's fun to watch, which he obviously is. But Hunter Rodriguez just, you know, we always look for that guy who we can really, uh, you know, watch and cheer for when they're not playing our school. And he, I think, podcast wide, we may be the number one Hunter Rodriguez podcast. I'm comfortable country. saying that. And you know, look. Davis Alexander, he played two FBS teams, so you can't discount what he's done at quarterback at Portland State. Um, But watching, I've watched all four games between Portland State and UC Davis, or at least like the the condensed versions of them. Um, Davis Alexander looks like an FCS quarterback. Hunter Rodriguez has complete command of the field. Uh, It's... so while his stats aren't aren't there, Davis Alexander, very impressive, putting up numbers against FBS teams, but a lot of that's in garbage time. Hunter Rodriguez did this against an FBS team in a very close game, not a garbage time game. And then it's another FCS program where they just absolutely rolled up. He got taken out partway through the game. Like it is. Yeah, and he even had a touchdown. He had a touchdown with his legs too, like yeah. you said. He had five total touchdowns. Like he is the complete package. Uh, he won me Big Sky Big uh, Big Sky Big Takes Fantasy last yeah, week by picking him. It. Someone someone took Barry Area over him. Not going to be me. I'm taking Hunter Rodriguez every time I get the yep. chance. Yep. So absolute dominant game for Davis. I'm very excited to see where these guys go. Um, but we've been high on them since the beginning, and uh, this just kind of this just kind of highlights why. Um, but let's move on yeah. from this game. And you know what? He's oh, going to. Oh, the thing about Hunter, though, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm not done talking about Hunter Rodriguez yet. I don't. I don't want to. I do not want to stop talking <laughs> about UC Davis. He he has Dixie State next, and we're gonna get to this later. But <laughs> oh my god, like he has oh, Dixie boy. State. I mean, like you said, get him on every watch list possible for a quarterback this early in the year. Yeah. Um, 
he's going to be the next person that gets to punch Dixie face in the mouth and uh, Dixie, <laughs> Dixie face, face in the mouth. Dixie stayed in the mouth. Dixie uh, face. Either way, just exciting player. Exciting player. Yeah, man. But All right, let's, enough so about that. that. Was We're going to turn this into every, a UC Davis pod. Yeah, every game this week was kind of a snoozer from the Big Sky Conference. This one, though, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a UC Davis fan or an adopted UC Davis For fan sure. like me and Nate. But let's move on to uh, Eastern versus Central Washington. Yeah, so number seven, Eastern Washington versus Central Washington. The downer of the mm. week when you looked at the schedule. Nobody gave a shit about this game. It was the yawner of the weekend and the battle for the parts of Washington no one likes. And it was won by the FCS school, Eastern Washington, 63-14. Six minutes into the game, Central Washington did score a touchdown to get within one of EWU uh, at 8-7. to But Eastern Washington showed that they're still they're going to be a D2 power someday <laughs> as they cruise to an easy victory in Cheney, Cheney, whatever it is. This game sucked, so we transitioned to the team that Eastern Washington was supposed to play this weekend. And it was number 16, Jacksonville State. So we got this tip from our buddy um, from the Eagles Power Hour, Kyler. Uh, Kyler. And uh, Eastern Washington was supposed to play Jacksonville State. Now, Jacksonville State, you may have seen over all the different telecasts if you're watching sports as much as we did. They backed out of what would have been a fantastic week to match up between the Eagles and Jacksonville State. And they went down to Tallahassee to play Florida State. And they pulled off one of the most miraculous FCS upsets I've yes, ever seen. The like there was the Appalachian State blocking the field goal against Michigan that was like kind of miraculous, but a blocked field goal happens more than this. It was a walk-off Hail Mary in the weirdest prevent coverage I've ever yeah. seen by an FBS school. Basically, uh just ran a streak and they got the receiver the ball over two different defenders and he just ran into the end zone. Uh, very odd ending to it, but Florida State gets knocked off by Jacksonville State uh, in a huge FCS over FBS. Um, upset and you know Jacksonville State went out there planted their flag in the middle of Dope Campbell Stadium uh, after that improbable victory um, and Florida State almost beat Notre Dame the week before yeah. so that is what we're talking about basically on this Eastern Washington game they played a D2 school we don't care about this yeah. at all um, so they did win 63-14 but the more important thing is the team that they were supposed to play beat Florida State this might have been an interview, a uh, farewell tour for Eastern Washington, may have been an interview for the Great Northwest Atlantic Conference where Central Washington plays. Um, Eastern wanted to show that they're dominant here. Um, but to get to the, the Jacksonville State game, I mean, they really did just run four streaks in that game. And sometimes it's easy to overthink something, right? Like you see at the end of the games, there's teams have these plays that they've they've clearly practiced and they've draft or written up where there's a hook and ladder and like multiple people coming down to get a, uh, a pitch. Sometimes it's just good to order a cheese pizza. Like, yeah, you can get weird toppings. Yeah. You can get, you know, like a weird thick crust, a sweet sauce, like all these different things. Sometimes just a solid cheese pizza, four streaks down the field for the end of the game is all you need because you need one, someone to catch it, and two, something weird to go on. And there's a lot. I mean, there's opportunities to to tackle this guy. I forget the receiver's name who made the catch because um, we don't care about FCS outside of the outside of the Big Sky Conference. But it was just it was such an iconic win. Every FCS win over the FBS is a lot of fun. And afterwards, Nate mentioned the flag plant. That is a iconic FCS moment. There's another gift that Scott Van Pelt put out where there's this group of cheerleaders walking out of the end zone with like their faces dropped and everyone in Jacksonville state is in the background pure, celebrating. Pure surprise. It is the best. 
It is the absolute best. What a win. What a great way to end a day of football as well. Oh, for sure. And that was like one of the last things you saw as we were kind of getting done with our 45 hours straight of football. Yeah. So yeah, yep. that was, that was a cool one. So I feel like that's probably enough on, on Eastern, the right? What? Oh, for sure. Oh, definitely. We didn't even talk about them hardly, which is the way we wanted it to go. So up, up next, you know, you got your, you got your next one to talk. Yeah. About. So Portland state uh, played Washington state, another FCS FBS game. Uh, the Vikings showed some signs of life early on down seven, zero Portland state, uh, Anthony Adams picked off Washington State's quarterback uh, Jaden Deloro in the end zone. Portland State quarterback Davis Alexander led a gutty 80-yard touchdown drive early in the second quarter uh, with his feet through the air, tied it up 7-7. The refs have called off earlier in the drive a clear, clear touchdown reception. I cannot believe they called it off. Uh, uh, but it didn't matter as, as Alexander scrambled in a little bootleg run uh, the wheels came off shortly thereafter and Washington state won on a 30 to three run, uh, putting the game away. Final score, 24, 44. That's a little, uh, it's a little deceptive because it really was a, an ass kicking Portland state did cover for the second week in a row. So hats off to them. Thank you very much. Portland state. Um, they snuck two touchdowns in, in the fourth quarter, including a beauty of a pass 39 yards from Davis Alexander to Bo Kelly. Uh, but it was not enough to win, uh, a couple, uh, Things I'd like to note, uh, Davis Alexander, he was swarmed the entire day. He's sacked two times. He's hurried eight times. Uh, uh, a few players to shout out. Bo Kelly mentioned his big touchdown drive. He ended the day with 10 receptions, 150 yards, and a touchdown. He also threw a 25-yard uh, pass, according to according to the stat sheet. I went back and watched the condensed highlights of that. I did not see his pass, but hats off for him for doing it. Uh, Parker McKenna, 10 tackles. And Davis Alexander, you know, while he, he does, we've already talked about him. He's an FCS quarterback. He looks like an FCS quarterback. Uh, but he put up some big numbers. Um, but he also had an ugly interception at the end of the half um, that ended up giving Washington State a field goal. I also have a note here, Nate, that just says, PSU defense and nothing else after that. So I forget what I was going to say on them. Um, well, I think I think if you're talking about the PSU defense, is that they've allowed about 88 points in the last two against games. two FBS schools. Yeah, this yeah. is a we can't read much. Yeah, into this it. is like a middle tier to bottom tier Big Sky school who played two FBS games. The fact that they covered two games in a row, the fact that they have a quarterback that's putting up numbers, those are the victories for Portland State. But yeah, this is an 0-2 team and it's probably not going to get much better. Yeah, and I think the reason why I actually paid attention to this game was having a friend that's you know a Washington State grad. We had that bet that we talked yep. about last week on the awesome pod. Bet. We have an Oregon State, we have a Washington State guy, and then we have myself. If our team doesn't cover from the Saturday morning spreads, then you do have to chug a beer and send video proof within an hour to the rest of the group. We were watching this game closely. It was 37-17. Uh, I'm sorry, it was 37-10 to going into the fourth quarter, and Portland State got that touchdown to bring it within 20. Uh, and then, um, you know, Wazoo did score another touchdown to really put it right there at that spread, but with 23 seconds left, Portland State got that last touchdown to really drive home that they were going to cover that spread of 31 points or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, like you said, Portland State, the FBS cover killers. They've covered two games against uh, FBS opponents, a Mountain West opponent and a um, Pac-12 opponent. So uh, we don't really know much about Portland State right now. They're Actually, those two games, are, they fared better than I would have thought they were going to fare if you asked me what the scores were going to be sure. between Hawaii and Washington State at the beginning of the year. So, And we're still not going to get a good – 
indication of what they are even this week they play a d2 school this week so uh we don't know about portland state it's kind of one of those like i think idaho state last year where they played like three fbs schools and a d2 school or like an fbs school in like two bye weeks or something weird like that yeah. where we never knew uh what idaho state was like and i feel like that's portland state not that i think they're going to be a top tier team yeah um, but we just literally have no idea what they're going to look like against fcs let me ask you this projecting two weeks into the future when they host montana state in portland on a scale of one to ten how nervous are you about that game you've seen them cover against hawaii on the road washington state on the road do you think that they can put up a fight against the bobcats I mean, I think anything can happen when you go from Montana State in the playing. Big Sky Conference. Uh, anything can happen. Three games against fan, with fans yeah. too. Anything can happen, and it usually does. But three games against, uh, or three games in stadiums with a lot of fans, sells sellouts probably in all three, and then having to go um, to Portland State. That that definitely could be a letdown game. And if you ask me about my anxiety levels on that game, I'd put it at about a six right six. now, because we don't know what Portland State is. You're right; they have been able to score against FBS opponents. Um, so I think, you know, Washington State, the one interesting thing is Wyoming actually in the Sagarin ratings is ahead of Washington State when you look at just the Sagarin ratings. So Montana State played a harder opponent uh, in Wyoming and, and fared better yeah. than Sac State did against Washington State. But, you know, you have to think about no fans being there, no atmosphere at a high school stadium in Portland, and they have looked decent, and it's going to be their first test against FCS opponents. So it's going to be an interesting one for I've sure. circled this game with a note. Game I'm most excited to pretend to feel bad uh, for Bobcats fans for, but while secretly being excited that Portland State won the game. So a little, little <laughs> like note. It. Noted. Yeah. That's not a little note, but that's noted. Yeah, little note, little note. Multiple lines in my Word document. <laughs> uh, what's the next game well, we got? We have receiving votes, Sac oh, State the and love number 21, Northern Iowa. Over in Sacramento, the Sac State Hornets took a 9-7 lead into halftime thanks to three Kyle Sentkowski field goals. The buzz was quickly taken away in the third quarter when Northern Iowa scored 27 straight points to blow the game open and end any thoughts of Sac State winning their 2021 home opener. The only reason anyone in the Big Sky ever cared about Sac State you and I know this, was due to Kevin Thompson's best-in-conference QB oh, skills that elevated them from the basement to the top tier of teams, but his heir, Asher O'Hara, hasn't been Thompson-esque quite yet. O'Hara, he grad-transferred from Middle Tennessee, had huge expectations coming into this program after earning second-team All-Conference USA honors in 2020. And Saturday night, while passing for over 330 yards, he had zero touchdowns, gave the ball away three times, three interceptions. So... Three, intercept- three interceptions is bad, obviously. But it wasn't just him giving the ball up to Northern Iowa. The Hornets fumbled it more than Gavin Newsom going to French Laundry. Whoa. This is a California joke, by the California way. California joke. Yeah, this is a California joke, so I'll start it over. The Hornets fumbled it more than Gavin Newsom going to French Laundry <laughs> without a mask on and put the ball on the ground three times, losing possession each time. It was bad for Sac State. They started out, it was like, okay, I don't know. They're a, they're a six-and-a-half-point dog. They might be able to cover this. But Northern Iowa, in that third quarter, absolutely dominated them um, to the tune of 24 straight points and ended really any any thoughts of Sac State being a top-tier Big Sky school in my mind. Uh, one note there, I did. Uh, there was one player that kept getting uh, called out quite a bit. Montana State, ex-Montana State football player Munchie Filer, grad transfer over to Sac State after Choate left. I saw his name get called multiple times. He was a great player from Montana State. Wish we still had him on the roster, but he's over at Sac State. He did get burned a couple times, but uh, that was one name that I did uh, hear a few times. So Northern Iowa 34, Sac State 16. 
can we stop talking about the Hornets Oof. being in the top tier of the Big Sky Bear type? Yeah, this, their weak performance against Dixie State, who stinks last week. Boring performance against Dixie the, State. Uh, this outcome, uh, Asher O'Hara, great name. Wish him the best of luck. But uh, five turnovers from him, six total turnovers from Sacramento State. Like, you just, you can't do that as a good, <laughs> as a good team. The fact that they had six turnovers and only lost 34 to 16 is, is somewhat amazing. Something. Um, yeah. But if you look at, you know, uh, uh, kind of the overall stats of this game, Sacramento state put up numbers, like they were putting up numbers, but they just couldn't uh, translate that into, into a victory total yards. So didn't know the final score total yards, Sac state four fifty five. Northern Iowa, 346. Through the air, Sacramento State, 349 to Northern Iowa, 127. Like, that seems like a dominant performance. But then you look at turnovers, 6-1. to one. You look at penalties, six. 2 for 15 yards from Northern Iowa, 7 for 76 yards for Sacramento State. It just, it, you might be able to let that happen against, like, a Dixie State, a Lamar, a Drake. A Drake. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't do that against a very good team and good teams don't let that happen against very good teams. So Sac State, yeah. you have, you have your work cut out for you going forward. If, if anyone has in the big sky power rankings, big sky podcast network power rankings, if anyone has these guys ranked above Northern Iowa or I'm sorry, Northern Colorado, give me a call because I want to talk to you. Like there's absolutely nothing resume resume wise that should allow them for the Hornets to be ranked that high right now, they have a schedule that could allow them uh, to get back in people's minds, but it's uh two very, very disappointing, uh, disappointing games. Yeah. And one thing I, I didn't mention in my, in my initial thoughts here was that O'Hara had the three interceptions. He also had two of the lost fumbles. Yeah. He had five, five turnovers, turnovers on his shoulders Jake Dunaway, the guy who came in to replace him at the end of the game, he had a fumble. The quarterbacks gave away all six. Ugh. You cannot do when you and it just I know I keep coming back to it, but you you had Kevin Thompson, this guy who came into the Big Sky, took it by storm, was just an elite Big Sky quarterback, and then you you go to these two guys who gave the ball to Northern Iowa, who almost beat Iowa State six times. There's no way you're going to win, no matter how anemic Northern Iowa's offense was, no matter how they they really didn't like you said pick up a lot of yards, but half of that was probably because they had a short field six times when Sac State gave them the ball. Also, note on Asher O'Hara. Every time I read his name, I think of Asher Roth and that damn song, College. <laughs> I know that's going to date us a little bit to know when we went to college. I think it was maybe right after, yeah. but I cannot get Asher Roth's college out of my head when I see this guy's name. Um, well, that's really something. I want to give my guy Marshall Martin a shout-out. Tight end, uh, he had a good game. I've had him on my Big Sky Big Takes fantasy team a couple times he had a good game seven receptions for 84 yards um but yeah man you can't you can't uh oh. you can't you can't do stuff like yeah, that. oh can i ask you a question i took a deeper oh for sure yes is northern iowa a like a option football team i didn't think they were but they only have four guys for eight rece- four guys caught the ball eight total receptions um I, I, I did a quick Google. I didn't see anything. But if they're an option football team, I take back all of my passing yardage, Sacramento State dominance from this game points. I don't think they are. I just think that they just ran the ball down Sacramento State's throat. Yeah. 
A lot of carries. 42, 42 carries. One other thing, speaking rushes. of. Yeah. And speaking of rushing, you know, Sac State has a pretty good running back in Elijah yeah. Dotson. He's on a lot of people's boards as a, you know, preseason, maybe third team, second team All American. He only had seven carries this game. Asher O'Hara, 17 carries. Oof. In my mind, you know, you have to balance that a little bit. You have a really good running back in Elijah Dotson. You might want to give him the ball. You know, he had 10 less rushes than Asher O'Hara. And I know maybe some of those are designed, some of that scrambling. But to get Elijah Dotson only seven carries, 38 yards, he had the touchdown. He was averaging 5.4 a carry. Like, you got to get the ball to your dude who's going to be able to move yeah. it and not put it on the ground. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, that's All right, that's enough time on the Hornets. Um, they need – and they have an, I think they have an FBS game coming up. But, yeah, they need to – yeah, they travel to Cal. Yep. Okay, so they have some work to do. Maybe by mid-October we can we can get back on the Hornet bandwagon. Uh, the next game we want to talk about, uh, going from a team that has underperformed expectations to a team that has overperformed expectations for everyone but me, who thought they were going to have a very good year under Easy Ed McCaffrey, uh, Northern Colorado. After an expect- expected loss last week, my darling of the big sky, the Golden Bears of Northern Colorado, went into Houston this week to take on the Huskies of Houston Baptist. We all had questions about how Easy Ed would transition into the role of a head coach of a college football team when he has zero experience doing this. Um, zero experience. And yeah. some of our questions were answered on Saturday. Uh uh, name of the year candidate for any player in the big sky, Gene Sleds Jr., running back. He popped in two touchdowns in the first quarter, helping the Bears with an impressive There had to have been a there had to have been a hammer joke Oof. in there somewhere instead of popped. Pop, popped him right in, just like a sledgehammer. Hammered. Hammered. Uh, <laughs> with an impressive twenty one to six halftime lead. Graduate transfer quarterback Dylan McCaffrey, coach's son Dylan McCaffrey, left the game at halftime with a reported upper body injury. Uh, but the Bears continued trucking along with junior Connor Martin under center. With just two quarters of play, Martin had 128 yards, two touchdowns, and he just he was kind of the face of this dominant performance. Uh, other than Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year, David Haug, Hoge, um, who had quite the game. Let me read these stats out to you, Nate. This is not one team. This is one guy. Eight tackles, three sacks, four tackles for a loss, two fumble recoveries and three quarterback hurries. What a game for David Hogue. Uh, also, what a game for Connor Martin. I would not want to be in the uh, uh, locker room um, while the family is trying to sort out who is going to take over at quarterback here. I still think Dylan McCaffrey is the man, um, but uh, hats off to Connor Martin who came in played really well uh, in kind of a weird situation. Uh, Nate, what are your thoughts on this game? And what does, let's say McCaffrey's out for a sustained period of time. What does that mean overall for Northern Colorado? Northern Colorado, by the way, who has basically the exact same resume as Weber State. A expected loss by a wide margin, but not an embarrassing margin to a uh, FBS school. And then, an, you know, a nice big win over a bad FCS school. Nate, let me toss it to you. On the road, too. Um, yeah, no, I think, uh, I, I don't know what kind of world we're living in and you know, the world's gone to shit when we're talking about Northern Colorado and being like, they're the frisky team. Yeah. Like, what? It's so fun. This is, this is not supposed to be happening. I don't, I don't like it one bit. Actually. I don't like their uniforms. I don't like their field. Ooh. I never liked the Broncos. Sorry. Incorrect. Uh, so Northern Colorado so basically for their, their last game, uh, copied, Northern Arizona's uniforms. If you like Northern Arizona, my man, you have to like Northern Colorado. 
Period. No, it's like watching TikTok and seeing the same trend being done over and over again. I want the original. <laughs> Stop giving me all these fakers and frauds. Yeah. So don't even come at me with with Northern Colorado's uh, uniforms. But, I mean, this win, 45-13. The thing about this one is I looked up Houston Baptist on our old Sagarin yes. ratings. Or maybe you've heard of them. 225. So they're basically a drink. Yes. So Northern Colorado went on the road to Houston Baptist, got this 45-13 to win. It's basically what the Grizz did to Western Illinois. I mean, the scores are so yeah, similar. Basically, basically what the, the Grizz did to Western Illinois, basically what the Cats yeah. did to Drake. And they went out and did this. And that is a little bit concerning, if you ask me. Um Maybe Ed has something going on here in Greeley. Uh, you know, little known thing, Dylan McCaffrey is also Christian McCaffrey's brother of the Panthers. Mm-hmm. He had a really good game yesterday in his first time back since last season. But, you know, Dylan McCaffrey is obviously the guy. He has, uh, you know, Big Ten pedigree, and it's his dad's a coach. So, obviously, he's going to be the guy. Um, but, you know, it's just it's it's hey. worrisome to me because then I start looking ahead, too, because you just asked me about Portland State. Well, Northern Colorado, Montana State, they, they come to Bozeman in three weeks yeah. after – uh, Northern Colorado has two pretty easy they could teams. Be, they could be three and coming one. up. They could when Montana State hosts them. They could be three and one with three FCS yes. wins in the first five <laughs> games, and that's unbelievable to me. And this is where I say the world is going to shit when we have to actually maybe welcome oh, in no. a three and one and a three and zero oh in FCS Northern Colorado Bears team, and that just doesn't make sense in my poor head. Northern Colorado. Um, while I, I have a lot of faith in them, I predicted them to get five wins at the beginning of the year while having a lot of faith in them. The reason it's so hard to see them getting above five wins, their conference schedule, Northern Arizona at Montana State, loss. Eastern Washington, loss. At UC Davis, loss. Then they play Southern Utah, Sac State. Maybe those are both wins. But then they also play Montana, Weber State. Like they have a they have every tough team on the Big Sky that you could play in the Big Sky Conference, period. Like, those are, that's a brutal, brutal schedule. But overall, very happy with how this team is doing. Um, and, you know, the Big Sky Conference, Big Sky Podcast Network power rankings have not come out yet, uh, but I will be watching very closely where everyone has ranked uh, my Northern Colorado Golden Bears. And Northern Colorado. In 2018, started the season out with like seven or eight straight losses. In 2019, the last real season that was played would have started out the season with eight straight losses if Idaho wouldn't have let them get a win. Shout out uh, Tubbs at the club for uh, letting we'll get to Idaho get their one of two wins in 2019. <laughs> yeah, but you know, to have them basically, you know, they're probably going to come out of this next week with two, maybe three FCS wins by the time yeah. you see the Cats. It doesn't make sense in my brain, and that's just absolutely insane to me. But hey, it's. Uh, Better for the big sky, though, when you have these bottom-tier teams actually winning some games out of conference. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's get to the next game, uh, this other stink fest. Next game, not going to take a long. Another another sleeper for uh, Idaho State and Nevada. The least frisky of all the annual Are They Frisky teams. Idaho State traveled to Reno and were busted by the Wolfpack. That's a gambling joke if you didn't get that one because uh, they're in Reno, Nevada. Two thumbs up from this guy. a lot of casinos there. Yeah. Great Thank joke. You. Idaho State was within a touchdown at UNR at the end of the first and kicked a field goal coming out of the half to pull within 10, but the pack said, we have the biggest shields in the world here in Reno, and we are not losing to the Bengals. Did you know that? No. Reno has the biggest shields. Wow. Bigger than the one in Bills. That seems very yeah. hard to believe. The one they put up in Great Falls it's at huge. the mall has like a shooting range in it. Like a, oh, not a real yeah. shooting range, but like a 
like a big shooting game. I can't believe that there's something bigger yeah. than that. The one in Billings is massive, but not even close to the one in Reno. It's right on this fake man-made marina thing yeah. off the interstate between Sparks and Reno. It's very odd, but it's huge. Anyway, just a little side note there that the biggest Shields is in Reno, Nevada. NFL, NFL quarterback prospect Carson Strong threw for 381 yards, four touchdowns, and only nine incompletions against the Bengals defense as UNR scored 28 unanswered points, unanswered points to end the game and blow out Idaho State. Bengals quarterback Tyler Vanderwall left the game in the third quarter with an injury, and Hunter Hayes, which sounds like a country singer or something, yeah. got some time behind center, but Idaho State only gained 142 yards through the air between their two quarterbacks. There really weren't any bright spots for the Bengals, but like you like to do, we like to shout out players. There's one note that I took from this, and it's punter Kevin Ryan had a 61-yard punt. Nevada, or not Nevada as a whole, but Reno is at about 4,500 feet. Got a little bit of elevation help there, and it was one yard off of his career long of 62 yards. That's literally all I got from this game. A punter with his second longest punt of his career. Uh... Yeah, I don't know what else to say about this Bengals team right now. Yeah, I mean, it's hopefully Vanderwall, um, you know, even though Idaho State has been disappointing this year, disappointing in the spring season, Tyler Vanderwall had stood out as a a bright spot there, like a, certainly a top tier, maybe like top three, four quarterback in the Big Sky Conference. We wish him the best of luck to, to get healthy. We want him to be healthy. We want this team to be healthy. But uh, yeah, the team has just kind of been pretty pretty underwhelming i think we shout out it or we gave a shout out last week to uh malachi rango from idaho state we'll give him again this week he's probably the best offensive performance 10 carries 72 yards no touchdowns like it's not great but that's as good as you can do and that's i think good, that highlights have you seen that movie who rango rango no i bet you he gets that question 10 times a week oh rango like the movie, movie with johnny depp as a lizard uh, the lizard, yeah, it's yeah. good. I remember the posters. They really, they hype that up more than uh, uh, the Sopranos prequel movie on ESPN Plus. True, Mal- but Malachi Rango, while being a cool movie, or the Rango being a cool movie, Malachi Rango, that's a pretty cool name in general. We have great names in the Big Sky Conference. That is, I think that's one of the number one things that we uh, recruit recruit for. Even like Hunter Hayes is a backup quarterback for Idaho State. That's an awesome name. I swear to God, there's a country music singer named Hunter Hayes, and I'm Googling it as we speak. There it is. Hunter Hayes, an American singer-songwriter. Same guy? No. All right. No. Different. Let's get through Let's get through these last few games. We've been talking uh, Big Sky Conference too long, my man, Nate. Um, but down the road in Idaho, or up the road in Idaho, I don't really know geographically where is these it? schools are I located. I have no idea. Um, but the Vandals... My Vandals from the spring season traveled to Bloomington, Indiana on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me just, let me, uh, before I give you the final score, let me run through how they, they started out the game, okay? Uh, Let's do it. Three and out, punt. Lost fumble. Three and out, punt, return for a touchdown. Three and out, punt. Three and out, punt, return for a touchdown. That was their first five possessions of the game. It's not gonna. It's not how you're. That is not how you're gonna win a game. Um, I I don't have a lot to say. Uh, We knew this was gonna be a butt kicking. That was certainly the case. It's so much fun to see an FCS team uh, uh, beat an FBS program. Unfortunately, the Vandals, since they've dropped down, have not given us that pleasure. They used to be that pleasure when we used to get to beat the Vandals when they were a really (laughs) bad FBS program. The good news 
Indiana paid Idaho $1.2 million to play this game. I believe they also... It was $1.2 million. $1.2 I did not know and that. Because for Indiana, this counts as an FBS win, if I understand it correctly, oh. because when they scheduled it, Idaho was an FBS school. They also... Wow. They, they did a, uh, a classic home and away contract. So they're playing again in Indiana, I think next year, maybe next, I think 23, 2023. So two years, Idaho will go back to Indiana, get paid even more money to get their butts kicked. Uh, so good news. You got paid $1.2 million. Paul Petrino can get a new level put on his house. The bad news, Vandals lost 56 to 14. It is the football equivalent of like paying a homeless man to beat him up. Like, Good Idaho, here's your money. Everything else about this is going to be bad for you. You get to no, put the get money. The hell out of Indiana. But we are going to beat the hell out of you. Indiana 56, Idaho 14. Um, I don't. Yeah, if you want a deep dive on this game, go check out Tubbs at the club. Not really. Who did a? Who I'm yeah. sure did a a live reaction to the game. He was at the game. He was at. The yeah, game. Oh, yeah, Chris Hammond, Tubbs at the club, the Podfather was at the game. Um, it's probably a fun game to be at, but not a fun game to watch. Nate. So I can't. I can never wrap my head around when anybody plays Indiana football that it's not a basketball yes. game. Like I see that logo on like my ESPN app, or I see it on the screen, and I'm just like, "Oh, Hoosiers basketball!" <laughs> like Indiana Hoosiers football will never make sense to yeah. me. And uh, so that's like one of my deep dives into this game. Second deep, dive, deep dive. Idaho has one of the coolest. I found another really cool name. He's a he's a looks like he's a transfer from Washington State uh, linebacker for the Vandals, number three Faave Faave. Okay. First and last name are the same. I love it. That's pretty. It's pretty baller move right there. That is pretty exciting. Um, and that, you know that's my deep dive into it. Uh, there really wasn't much else to take from this game. Idaho got absolutely crushed. <laughs> Punt fumble. I don't like the name of Idaho's quarterback, yeah. Mike Boudry. I don't like how Boudry rolls off the tongue. It doesn't even roll off the tongue. You don't even use your tongue. I just don't like the last name. It was a lot more fun when one of Petrino's sons was quarterbacking this team. Do you think, Nate, what do you think the odds would be if we put Indiana's basketball team, so they have, I'm assuming they have like 12 guys on scholarship for the basketball team, if we put them against Idaho's uh, offense, uh, or let's just say Idaho's football team, whole team, Indiana's basketball team versus Idaho's football team, what would you put the spread at? Oof, spread. You know, Flag football, probably Idaho minus three. Okay. Tackle football, maybe Real Idaho football, like five and a half. Yeah, probably just different different builds <laughs> when you're, you know, crossing over the basketball world, but be closer than a lot of people think. Oof. Punt, lost fumble, punt return for a touchdown, punt, punt return for a touchdown. That should be the new motto of uh, the University of Idaho. Who's next on our on our I rundown like here? We have our final one from me. I know Bear Tycoon has one more, but number 10, Weber State at Dixie State. And Weber State's first ever visit to St. George, Utah. I don't know if it's personally the players had not been there before. I'm sure they have been there before. But as a team, it was their first visit to St. George, Utah. The Wildcats ran away with a win against Dixie State, a.k.a. Utah Tech, 41-3. At the end of the first, the new punching bags of the Big Sky Trailblazers were holding their own against the Wildcats, 7-3, and Weber added... Only seven more in the second quarter to go into the half, only up 14-3. to three. Not what we thought from a top-tier Big Sky team. But any offensive concerns that we had for Weber quickly went away as Weber scored four touchdowns in the second half to end any ideas of a Dixie State upset. Weber State had five different players' attempt passes in this game. 
Five different players attempted a pass in this game for Weber State for a total of 217 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. Starting quarterback Bronson Barron, there's another name for you, went down with an injury early in the third quarter, and star running back Josh Davis didn't play due to injuries, but the depth was there and what was an easy win against Dixie. Nine players caught passes. Seven players had an official carry for Weber. Hopefully Barron and Davis, not Barron Davis, but Barron and Davis, are healed and healthy next week because James Madison is no Utah Tech. Weber State does what we thought they were going to do. They started out a little bit slower than we thought they could. But when you see Weber State putting up 41 points, you know the competition is shitty. Yeah, it's uh, it, so Weber State. And this like we we kind of talked about this with Northern Colorado. Weber State got handled like we expected them to against a very good Utah team, um, and then beat up on a bad FCS team. Northern Colorado did the exact same thing, and we'll get to our rankings here in a second. But I have you know I have Weber five and. Northern Colorado six. And I think there's a lot of Weber fans who think they should get a lot more love for where, you know, who they are as a team, but what matters is what you put up on the field. And yeah, what we've seen so far, a lot of it comes down to scheduling. That'll be remedied this weekend um, in that James Madison game, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, But the last game we have, the last, uh, (laughs) last, the last game, Cal Poly Fresno state. Um, so hot off coach bull Baldwin's first win as the Mustangs head coach, we got to experience his first, but not his ass, his last ass whooping <laughs> of the of the year. Jerry cut this. We got to experience his first, but not last ass whooping of the season. That is actually harder to say than you. Yeah. Think there's a lot of, a lot of owls in, in that, uh, clause, um, 63 to 10 Fresno state over Cal Poly. Not a surprise on the score. Uh, the highlights, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Cal Poly wide receiver Chris Coleman, who caught his second touchdown in as many weeks. Linebacker Matt Shotwell, who had seven tackles in the game. But most importantly, the game ball for the for the Mustangs uh, goes to punters Chris Bartolick and Michael Roth, who saw the field a combined ten times in the game. Um, this is bad Big Sky team. They played an FBS team and, and got handled. Not a surprise. Um, Nate, do you have anything to add here? Or can we move on? No, it's an interesting thing. I love the Sagarins, as I've said millions of times on this one podcast tonight. Fresno State number 67 Ooh. in the Sagarin rankings, which puts them only two spots behind Wyoming uh, and only one spot in front of South Dakota State. So it wasn't like Cal Poly was going to play this like top 50 FBS school. They played Fresno State, and they got absolutely worked Cal in a game that didn't. Stinks. Oh, they're horrible. Yeah. yeah, Cal Poly. They got us a little bit. They got us a little bit excited when they when they knocked off uh, San Diego, which obviously shouldn't be that exciting. And they only got them by 11 points. But we were like, okay, there's a dub for Cal Poly. Um, but then Fresno State came and handled them. And then obviously they're going to be uh, another test this weekend with South Dakota, who yeah. I don't think they're in the polls. Uh, this week, but they may have received a couple votes. I don't even think they did. Um, but either way, Cal Poly sucks. Bull Ball yeah. has a lot of work to do down there. 63-10 to 10 to Fresno State is not even a good FCS, FBS no. result. It's still bad. So that's all. Don't really have anything else to deep dive into. It was a boring, boring game. Everything about Fresno is boring, even in like the sense of Fresno. I don't know why you would go there. I don't. I don't know. Um, You're just a big fan of uh, season two of True Detective. Wasn't that all about like the yeah. Fresno region? 
Yeah, Fresno. They said the attendance. They said the attendance was thirty thousand, which blows my mind that thirty thousand people would go sit in a stadium that was probably a hundred and two degrees yeah. to watch Fresno State beat Cal Poly. I think there's some inflated numbers going. Yeah, on. it's probably paid attendance. Uh, the San Diego number we gave earlier of seventeen hundred fans in the stadium that was paid attendance. Um, so I'm sure there was even less there. If you look at, it's tough to find uh, uh, highlights from that game, but if you look at. Uh, UC Davis's Instagram account, you can see that it's a pretty empty, small stadium. When it's a empty, then, big stadium, at least like you're playing in Las Vegas in the same field the Raiders play at, when you are in an empty 6,000-person stadium in San Diego, like you might, you probably are just having flashbacks to high school or middle school. Yeah, and the one, the only other fun thing about this game was the over/under on this game that was set by Caesar Sportsbooks was sixty. Fresno State got that themselves. Oof. The uh, which maybe that's what the whole point was. Maybe they were like, it's going to be sixty to yeah. nothing, and it ended up being sixty-three ten. So uh, Fresno State easily covered the thirty-two and a half points, got the over by themselves. Cal Poly's shit. Yeah, Cal Poly, um, they're two seventeen in the Sagarin rankings. That puts them in in uh, uh, the conversation with teams like Merrimack, Cornell, Fordham, Elon, um, and ahead of teams like Lamar, Bryant, uh, Dixie State, uh, and Drake, and San Diego. San Diego, 240 out of 258 teams. San Diego, even though they make the playoffs seemingly every year, they (laughs) stink at football. Yeah, so that was... That was around the big sky for last week. Again, we had a lot of football. It was really fun if you were putting some money and seeing what kind of spreads could get covered. It wasn't super exciting if you were looking for a close game um, or some drama at the end. It was a lot of stats being put up, a lot of new players that we fell in love with. Uh, Two huge wins for the Cats and the Grizz at home for the first time in 630-some days, letting Montanans get out of their house, get to a football game that matters. Uh, So all in all, a great weekend because there was football around. There was Big Sky football back. A great weekend because we had both Montana schools dominate and show that uh, you know two of the best programs in the country right now. Um, the drama wasn't there, but I, I'd say we'll, we'll take this. Yeah. Oh, and we forgot to mention uh, Southern Utah on a bye week this week. Uh, very clearly the best week of football from Southern Utah this season. In quite a while, actually, probably. <laughs> Yeah, since whenever they accidentally won the conference a few years ago. (laughs) What a weird deal that was. Uh, All right, well, let's... uh, Good. Let's get to some games. Good Yeah, let's let's look look forward. All right, before we... uh, Very natural break there. uh, But before we uh, go forward with uh, the games this week and the polls and everything, I want to give a shout-out to the Montana Mint Podcast Network. So if you like Nate and I, you're going to love the other shows we have on the, on the Montana Mint Podcast Network, the Grizz Fan Pod, all things uh, Grizz. They are the number one podcast in the state of Montana. Uh, it's putting out really awesome product. Uh, and if you're not a sports fan, it's not a problem. Um, Montana Murder Mysteries, Notorious and Unsolved. There's three episodes up of that with author Brian D'Ambrosia looking at uh, some some unique murder mysteries from around the state. Uh, the Land Grab Podcast, landgrabpodcast.com. Uh, two reporters, Matt Newman, John Hooks, looking into uh, everything that's kind of going on uh, in, in the state um, in terms of housing and putting it in a very big historical context. I saw the out the full outline for season one. It looks awesome. Go to landgrabpodcast.com. Throw them a couple bucks. Montana Trivia Challenge. We have one season up. 
uh, online. Uh, it's all trivia about the state of Montana. If you think you know your state, if you brag about being like, you know, third, fourth, fifth generation Montana, let's see how you do against the guys competing on there. Uh, all those are in their separate channels. And then in this channel on the Grizz Fan Channel pod, um, and also uh, throughout the Big, Ki- Big Sky Podcast Network, you can listen to Big Sky Big Takes, which is our Around the Horn style Big Sky show. It's always a good, uh, uh, good uh, listen. Nate dominated last week with his fantasy team. There'll be another episode. That usually comes out around Thursday of the week, every week. Um, but check all those out. Nate, though, let's, let's look uh, at polls, power rankings. Where do you want to start? Let's look at the polls. So the top 25 FCS polls just came out today. Like I said, we're recording this on Monday, so they're fresh off the press. Breaking news. And again, the Big Sky's breaking news. Uh, the Big Sky School is dominating the top 15, really. Um, yeah. When you look at uh, how things are going this year, there's a little bit of movement with the games this weekend. Coming in at that top spot in the Big Sky and the best team in the poll so far for the Big Sky Conference, Montana. Right now, ranked number four. They got three first place votes. They moved. Uh, they didn't move up or down at all after their win against Western Illinois. So they started the week at four. They start this new week at four. They did lose two first place votes. Yeah. Interestingly enough, and uh, I still don't quite see how you could have James Madison ranked above them right now. Uh, you know, South Dakota State had a win against Colorado. Uh, State, Sam Houston was kind of the consensus number one to start the year. So the Grizz, you know, just hanging around that number four spot, probably by the virtue of just how the polling started at the beginning of this year. But Montana at number four, staying at number four, followed by uh, the Bison of North Dakota, still at number five. We mentioned them not because they're in the big sky, but because this is the first time in a long time I think any of us have seen the Bison at number five at any point in a a season. It's weird seeing them. So I don't have any problem with with, – uh, South Dakota State being above above the Grizz, as you mentioned, beat Colorado yeah. State convincingly, FBS Colorado State, and then dominated Lindenwood, who I feel like Lindenwood might be a D2 school. So maybe I do have a problem with that. Um, someone fact-checked <laughs> me there. Sam Houston, you know, they played two FCS schools. They beat Northern Arizona, Big Whoop. They beat SEMO, Big Whoop, 2-0. But, like, those are two FCS schools. James Madison... So you are giving James Madison the nod over the Grizz just based on not what they've done this year, but on like, you know, their history and the fact that, you know, oh, they're sniffing. Which is usually what helps the Grizz. <laughs> yeah, there's James Madison. They're thinking of going FBS, like with all the everything going on in the in the in the FBS level, the conference is shifting. James Madison might move up like that is why you give them here. They have beaten Moorhead State, Sagarin ranking 253. Out of 258 schools, Moorhead State, 253. They also beat Maine, uh, who we talked about before, who is right around uh, where Kyle Pauly is. So 2-0 James Madison. The Grizz, I mean, the Grizz resume is just better than James Madison, period. And, they, um, and James Madison somehow has two more first-place votes than the Grizz. The Grizz had five last week. They went down to three this week. I didn't do enough research to see maybe where those two first-place votes went. But no reason James Madison should be in the top four. Yeah, um, it, it's uh, it's a little it's a little frustrating. I'm trying to see where um, Southeast Missouri is. Hold on, they are ranked in the Sagarin rankings, um, 191. So you know, again, Northern Arizona, Southeast Missouri, those are at least two uh, FBS schools that aren't in the very bottom of the Sagarin rankings. Um, yeah, but yeah. 
yeah, they're in Northern Arizona, 186. So, like, they're both kind of like, they're, neither of them are in the 200s. James Madison, the Grizz, I don't know who would win head to head, but uh, uh, I feel like the Grizz resume is much better than those two. Yeah. And we go down uh, to the next team in the Big Sky Conference in the polls. Eastern Washington stayed at number seven. They're, uh, they were number seven previous week, number seven this week. And actually, the whole top eight didn't change. So, Montana stayed at four. Eastern Washington stayed. Uh, a Weber State jumped one spot by virtue of their win over whoever they just Dixie played. State? We just literally talked about them <laughs> against Dixie, Dixie State. State. So Weber Weber State jumps one spot uh, from number ten to number nine, uh, which came at the expense of North Dakota, who dropped out of the number nine spot due to getting uh, beat down in the second half of their game with Utah State. So Weber State. Uh, at number nine, Jacksonville State rounds out the top ten. They're the team that beat Florida State. They jumped from 16 to number 10 uh, to round out those top ten spots. And, uh, you know, with that, the next team that we had on the list, Montana State coming in at 13. So Montana State, even though they were number 11 last week, people had to apparently make room for Villanova and had to make room for Jacksonville State. So Montana State does drop two spots to number 13 after a blowout win against Drake. Um doesn't really bother me there. Jacksonville State had to get into the top 10 after yeah. what they did to Florida State. Doesn't really bother me there. So Montana State at number 13, and then right right on their heels at 14 is UC Davis. And that rounds out the Big Sky Conference in the top 25 polls. So Davis, with their win against Tulsa and their big win uh, last weekend against San Diego, gets that 14 spot. In my opinion, they probably should be ranked above Montana State right now because of that win against Tulsa. Yep. That should bump them up against uh, Montana's close loss against Wyoming. But again, UC Davis started down the polls farther than Montana State. So, of course, because polls are the most idiotic things ever to do in the preseason, they're ranked behind the Cats. But still, Big Sky, five teams in the top 15, just total domination by the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, it's really exciting, and this is, you know, these are the five teams we all kind of highlighted as uh, teams that are going to be problems. Sac State received votes. I think that's... Which makes zero sense to me. Zero sense. They have not played... They received three votes. So it was one person either voted them like number 23 or three people voted them number 25 or some variation of yeah. 23 through 25. Um, O'Shea O'Hara, whatever the quarterback's name is, his mom, Asher. dad, O'Shea. and uh, and uh, sister-in-law all work in sports media and all gave them three votes. Somehow got votes. Uh, but Northern Colorado, you know, when they're three and one, they're probably going to prepare yourself, Nate, for Northern Colorado something. to be getting, uh, to be receiving votes just based on the number of FCS uh, wins they're going to have here in a couple weeks. Yeah, and I think uh, the only other one that kind of has any big sky relevance is Northern Iowa. Um, after their win against Sac State, moved up from number 21 to 18. So the, the Hornets gave them three spots in the yeah. polls uh, and, and bumped them up. Besides that, nothing really else going on uh, big sky-wise when you look at the 19 through 25 or besides Sac State receiving votes. Uh, so not a ton of movement this week. The big leapers, Jacksonville State, Villanova, they dropped Montana State down one. But pretty much everything looking almost identical to last week when you look at the top 25 polls. Uh, and we'll probably see a little bit more movement this week um, as we look at uh, the games here in week three. And I'd also be fine if like we just gave Jacksonville State the number one spot for the week with like a with a little caveat like, yeah, we're, you're, they're not going to be here next week regardless of what their game is. But after beating Florida State on a Hail Mary, they deserve the number one spot at least for a week. Um, and could, that week's to, power ranking. 
Yeah, to confirm, uh, uh, Lindenwood, who South Dakota State beat uh, this week, Division Two football. Um, so they have an FBS win and a D2 win. Um, I'll leave it to you all to determine if, if that should be uh, above the number two the team in the country. Are. But, I mean, Colorado State, they, they didn't just beat Colorado State. They dominated Colorado State. Demoralized. 42-23. Um, so big, big ups to them. Um, yeah. When you look at, so we got five teams in the, in the top 15 nationwide. Um, the big sky podcast network puts out a power ranking. So it's us tubs in the club, R and R cat cast, Grizz fan pod, uh, Northern Colorado's claw cast, uh, Northern Arizona's podcast. I forget the name of it with Casey Everett, but check them out. Um, there's like 25, 26 guys that vote in this, guys and gals that vote in this. Where do you kind of see the Big Sky Conference? Like, I think we're in large agreement for the top of it, but why don't you run through kind of your, let's run through our total rankings between the two of us. But let's start out with the top five because I think they are identical. Yeah, the top five are going to be identical. You have to put UM at the top to... Really good victories. Uh, yep. One a blowout and one against Washington, which we've talked about ad nauseum. I don't really want to talk ever again about. So you have to go Montana. You have to go UC Davis next with a Tulsa win and then a massive, massive win yep. uh, uh, last week in, in San Diego. Uh, next up for me, it was Eastern Washington. That UNLV win, I know they had to play a Division two team this week, but I have Eastern Washington at number three in our power rankings. Well, also, I, I think we should give Eastern – I hate when teams play D2 schools. It, like when the Cats, the Grizz, anyone plays them, we always criticize them for it. But like Eastern was in a unique situation where yeah. Jacksonville State they dumped them. You had you could yeah, they had to have a game. So um, it's a little different. And, and that's why I still have them. Games. I still have them at number three for sure. Yeah. And then I do yeah. have I have Montana State getting the nod for that number four spot over Weber State, uh, just with the close loss, which we, nobody love to talk about a close loss, but a close loss to Wyoming and then a dominating win uh, over Drake. So I, I gave Montana that nod over Weber with Weber coming in at the number yeah. five spot. Yeah, we're identical with our with our top five. Um, yeah, same reasoning uh, across the board. To me, the yeah, I think kind of where there may be... So first off, anyone who has Weber State in the top three is just... You know, they are going with their... They're going fandom. off of what happened in 2019. They're going where they don't want to be embarrassed by having them rank number five. But if you look just at their resume, Weber State is the fifth, is the fifth best team in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, they have a big game this weekend against James Madison. Which could change, which will blow up everything. Yeah. If they win that game, they they're in line to like jump number one, number two in the conference. Like That would be a huge win. That would be more impressive than some of the FBS wins that we're talking about. Um, but Montana state, you know, four or five, they're both one-on-one, but I like Montana state's resume a little bit better. They, uh, uh, played close to Wyoming. It's a very, and they should have won the game. As we discussed, they should have won that game. Um, and then dominated a, a bad FCS school. Weber state got blown out by Utah and then, uh, blew out a worse FCS school. Um, than Drake. Like, Dixie State stinks. Um, so, I, their resumes are close, but I, I'll give the Cats the nod there. Kind of looking down the rest of it, mentioned it a few times, I have UNC number six. I was looking for a way to get them into the top five, um, and maybe they will be in a couple weeks with their 3-1 and one record. 
Um, but I have UNC, Sac State, Idaho. And when we have Idaho at number eight, um, that speaks to kind of the, the bottom half of the Big Sky Conference. Because then I go Poly, Portland State, Southern Utah, Idaho State, NAU. I'm happy to give my reasoning on any of those. But um, I think the bottom, I, I think this is really a top half, bottom half division uh, where the top six teams are very solid and everyone below them is is pretty weak. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think I probably even need to run through mine because they're basically the same. I believe that I have um, Portland State above Cal Poly uh, just because I'm I, – probably because I'm more surprised by, by Portland State and I saw what Cal Poly – what happened to them at Fresno State. But you're right. Like the bottom half right now, I don't really – even want to worry about them until they start making some noise. And nobody probably wants to hear us talk about them yeah. uh, until they start making some noise. We talk about Northern Colorado just because it's such a unique thing to see Northern Colorado yep. with any semblance of success. Yeah, and, and with some real star power. I think that's why it's interesting. Yeah, star coach. Yeah, true. You got some big names on there. Star coach, uh, star quarterback, star yeah. offensive coordinator, all all related to each other. But it's it is it's interesting. And, and McCaffrey's name, it'd be like if Dave Dickinson came and started coaching at at Carroll College, like he'd be able to pull in kids just with his name. Ed McCaffrey yeah. is a top ten Bronco of all time, probably even higher. Like top ten is being conservative. He might be like a top five from a Broncos fan perspective, like fan favorite player of all time. So uh, yeah. uh, his his power can't be uh, overstated. There, NAU, you know, I have them last. Um, uh, it's they they have they've had some injury bad luck, but you know everyone everyone's dealing with injuries. I don't think that you can kind of excuse um, the challenges that they've gone through because every team is dealing with challenges and reacting to them. And um, uh, so they have opportunities throughout the year to kind of improve their position. I did not expect them to be this bad. I didn't think they're going to be a top half team, but uh, to be this bad is a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, and as we look forward uh, to this week, we'll kind of circle the games that we're we're interested in. I'll run through them really quickly just so we get them all on the slate. But we start out, and this is uh, in order of kickoff mountain time, San Diego visiting Bozeman, so University of San Diego at Montana State. Idaho goes over to Corvallis and plays FBS Oregon State University. We have Lamar University traveling to Greeley to play Northern Colorado. Eastern Washington hitting the road, hitting Montana, common opponent, Western Illinois. We have Sacramento State traveling the short route to Berkeley to play Cal. We have Western Oregon going over to Portland, a D2 Western Oregon playing Portland State at a high school stadium in Hillsboro, Oregon. Southern Utah traveling to new FCS school, Tarleton State University. That game is actually in Arlington, Texas. We have James Madison traveling to Ogden, 6 p.m., James Madison, Weber State, game of the week. Even before we get to it, we know it's the game of the week. We yep. have University of South Dakota getting some beach time and going down to Cal Poly playing in San Luis Obispo. Dixie State, their tour day Big Sky continues as they travel to Davis to play UC Davis. And then Northern Arizona, rough one. They get to travel over to Tucson to play the University of Arizona Bears. So when you look through this lineup, give me your first game that you have circled on your TV schedule, well, not TV schedule, in your in your TV guide coming up uh, this week. Yeah, well, definitely I have my TV guide out. I've circled some games. Um, number one, without a doubt, James Madison, Weber State. This is a this is the 
best game of the Big Sky Conference slate. This is the best game of the FCS slate. Um, you know, Weber State, who uh, you know, did very well in the spring, looked very dominant in the spring, and flamed out in the playoffs. They came in with very high expectations, as we've talked about. Uh, they've kind of done what we thought they'd do. If they want to be treated as a top-tier FCS team, not a top-tier Big Sky team, but a top-tier FCS team, uh, they need to win this game. They are hosting James Madison. James Madison is a better school than them, um, but they have a home field advantage. It's a long flight, and this is a very good uh, football program. So uh, I know that they're dealing with some injuries at quarterback, um, but that that is game number one uh, that I'd like to see. The other game I won't watch, but I'm keeping an eye on, is uh, Portland State versus Western Oregon because we might get one of those sneaky D2 over FCS uh, wins, which while uh, not as satisfying as FCS over FBS, still very satisfying when it comes against a team uh, that is embarrassing when it comes to facilities in the Big Sky Conference. Nate, is there any other any other game on here that stands out to you? you know, other it's, than it's, the CAC game, of talk- course. Well, yeah, other than the CAC game, obviously, but James Madison. Uh, James Madison right now in the Sagarin rankings ranked 93. So they're actually exactly one spot behind the Grizz yep. in the Sagarin rankings. So this is a huge barometer for what Weber State is, a huge barometer of what Weber State matches up to you know, the analytics of what the best teams are in the big sky right now. It's interesting. I was looking at this. Florida State, after their loss to Jacksonville State, actually dropped down to 96th in the Sagarin rating. So James Madison, this is actually oh, – if it. Weber State wins this game, it should jump them higher than Jacksonville State jumped yeah. by beating Florida State, if you're looking at it like this. But you know, James Madison, obviously a great team. And if I'm not mistaken – this is a rematch of the semifinals from 2019 that put no wasn't it uh this is a semifinal i don't remember the weber state beat the grizz and i stopped watching after that i think this was the uh, oh I yeah think, because the I mean, cats beat wild. uh the cats lost cats in north, lost north dakota, dakota state, state. Yeah. yep yeah yeah and so this is a you know a little bit of redemption on the mind. I don't for some reason like I I just don't know much about James Madison. They're all the way over there on the on the east coast. I you know, I see their name at the top of the list all the time, but I never really think about them. Yeah. But I always just assume, because I, I swear to God, they play Weber State every year in the playoffs, and they get them every year. And that's kind of Weber State's uh, kryptonite, is they have to go play James Madison, and they can't get into that championship game, and they can't get past the semifinals. And I don't know if that's just recency biases that they did it in 2019, but I just feel like this has happened before, and it's deja vu uh, whenever they're in the playoffs. But... You know, if anybody's mad about us putting Weber, you know, behind Montana State in our power rankings or anybody's wondering why we don't have Weber State in the top three just based off of preseason hype, this game will shut us up for sure. If they can beat James Madison at home, uh, you know, the number thirty, number 93 Sagarin ranked team, the number three team uh, in the FCS, yeah, you know, we have nothing to do but put them up there right next to Montana uh, in next week's power rankings. Like, there's literally no way you could separate Montana and Weber State after that. Um, and so it's, it's obviously a massive game, uh, for Weber. You hope they, you know, have Davis back. You hope they have their full cast because you do want to see what this Weber state team is made of, uh, and see what they're going to be doing, uh, come big sky conference season. And then the other game, um, that I'm interested in checking out, uh, based solely from a statistics perspective 
is Dixie State at UC Davis just to see what our boy can put up through the air and through the ground. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, our quarterback, uh, Rodriguez from Davis, to see what he H-Rod. can do. H-Rod. What he can do against, like we talked about, the punching bag of the Big Sky, Dixie State. Like, I think this is their third straight Big Sky game yeah. that they've played. It went Sac State, uh, and then it went Weber, and now it's uh, UC Davis. So Dixie just toured a beatdown, and that was just going to be fun because it's in Davis. H-Rod is going to be slinging that rock through the Davis night. Um, yeah. I just have a circle because I like I, I Yeah, I'm excited I'm to see. I'm Davis. I'm excited to see H-Rod. Um, uh, one other fun fact on uh, James Madison before we move on. Uh, famous alumni, PFT commenter from uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Part of My Take. Part of My Take. Jim Acosta, correspondent from CNN. Um and maybe James Madison, the president, he graduated from his own his own school. Is that how it works? When you become president, I, I they just name the school after you. But um, uh, it's I mean they got they got they have a great fan base uh, in James Madison, and they are looking. There's all this rumbling about them moving up a conference with the expansion of the Big Twelve, kind of the AAC had some teams move over to the Big Twelve, um, and maybe that allows them to move up. Uh, I think it's a little dicey. Maybe we'll do a separate show on kind of what the NCAA looks like, but I mean, the there's the power five and then there's everyone else. And I'd rather be the king yeah. of the king of the FCS than the, you know, the king of the shitty FBS level. Yeah. So, I mean, that one, that one's obviously a game that we'll be, we'll be definitely tuning in on ESPN plus uh, for that one. And then also like a, like a, just repeating kind of what I said earlier, yeah. our dumb brains want to see common opponents and Eastern Washington travels to Western Illinois. And yeah, we're see going what they do. to just by human nature, compare this game to the game in Missoula last week. And if Eastern Washington beats them by more than the Grizz did, we're going to say Eastern Washington's better. And if Eastern Washington only beats them by 14 points, we're going to say that the Grizz are way better than Eastern Washington, just because yeah. that's how our human nature brains work in sports. So I think I have that one just kind of on my, it's not going to be on my TV. It's not going to be on my laptop. It's going to be one I'm definitely checking. It's a 2 PM mountain time yeah. kickoff. I'm just going to be, you know, kind of, Tuning in a little bit here and there just to see how Eastern goes on the road and plays that team. Yeah, definitely. If you're a Grizz fan like me, I recommend taking this weekend off. There's a lot of – we highlighted those games, but there's a lot of bad games this weekend. There's a lot of – we expect next weekend's rundown to be uh, a lot of blowouts. Um, uh, but, you know, Cats will be watching San Diego. That should be a dominant performance from the Cats. And other than that, um, you can check in. Idaho is getting another money game. You can check in on your uh, scores app and, and see how teams are doing. But enjoy one more weekend of the warm weather. Uh, and and uh, other than that, if you're a Grizz fan, I don't think you need to you need to do too much. When you get back in, maybe tune in the Weber State game. But um, there's a, there's a lot of crummy games on on the schedule. Yeah, and then there's like the crummiest of them all, and it's Southern Utah versus Tarleton State, oh. two teams that are going to be joining the WAC. So it's kind of just like. God, don't even put that on our schedule. Yeah. We're looking at Big Sky. I'm excited to see, looking at Southern Utah's schedule, I predicted that they would not win a single game this year uh, for karma reasons, for leaving us, for leaving the conference. Um, and I believe this was kind of the the easiest game that they that they had. So um, I'll be keeping an eye on that just to make sure that Southern – I have no fear at all that Southern Utah is going to win this game uh, against no. 208 in the Sagarin rankings. Uh, Tarleton State, Tarleton. Um, they'll get smoked. 
give me a break. Yeah, and I think you know, and the only team from Montana that's playing this week in the obviously has Montana State taking on the San Diego Toreros, and I would, you know, it's it's just another one of those games. Drake was ranked two thirty eight, San Diego ranked two forty. They have similar colors. They're in the same conference. Yep. They don't get athletic scholarships. This is going to be a rerun. I'm, I'm hoping for not a letdown game. Montana State obviously could see what they did against a Pioneer League team that's damn near identical in the Sagarin rankings um, and identical in almost every other sense outside of the Sagarin rankings. And they come out with that same fire and beat down San Diego. Uh, it does kind of suck that UC Davis had to go down there and beat them 53-7 to last weekend to give, again, that comparison between common opponents idea in our heads where if Montana State doesn't come close to what they did to Drake last week, it's going to be looked at as like almost a failure of a weekend. Um, and these are those games that I'm going to probably have to chug a beer on at some point because the line's probably going to come out at 31 points this week. Yeah. And Montana State's going to have to beat them by 31 for me to uh, cover the spread yeah. in that thing. And so The Cats you know, are going to dominate. I'm not one to... The cats yeah, I'm not worried about the game. Them. I'm worried about more of the psychological things after the game. If they don't dominate like they did last week, yeah. If uh, the things, but then at the same time, if the cats can get their running game going, unlike they did early last week, and if they can even start, you know, clicking on all cylinders on offense even more than they did last weekend, then this game could also, on the other side of things, be like, look what we are capable of. Look what we didn't do against. Uh, Drake, look how we improved during the week, came out against San Diego, took care of business there. So it's it's an interesting week, not in in my opinion, and I'm by no means a football expert or anything like that, but in my opinion, this is such a psychological game for the Cats to see how they come out, how they finish, um, and what kind of, you know, what kind of thoughts they're going to have going into the conference season uh, after this game. So this one I think is more of a, a mental game for the Cats. Instead of really a physical one, I don't think they're going to lose this game. Yeah. Again, this is one of the bottom 17 teams in the in all of Division One college football. We're bottom 18 teams. So not worried about that. Just really interested to see how they're going to come out knowing that they're playing basically a, you know, a, a, the same team they played last weekend. So it's going to be kind yeah. of interesting to see how that how that how that happens. Last, uh, I, I just went through the schedule. It looks like the last win by San Diego against a big sky opponent uh, was Cal Poly in 2016. I think that was the first round of the playoff game. It was late November 2016. Cal Poly, they beat 35-21. So uh, you don't want to be the first team in five years because we. I feel like a big sky team plays these guys uh, two, three times a year. San Diego is I really constantly wish... coming. We talk about San Diego more than we talk about Southern Utah. That's true. San Diego is constantly playing the big sky early in the year before conference season start. Constantly getting beat, um, and constantly and getting matched up traveling. in the playoffs for travel <laughs> yeah. reasons. And most of the time, and the other part is most of the time they're coming to your team's home stadium to play you, so you don't even get to use a game against San Diego as a vacation yeah. to San Diego to watch your team play. Davis did last week. Um, you know that's kind of a, an awful, but almost every time San Diego plays any of us in the big sky, we're always uh, hosting them. So. Uh, you know, at least if we're gonna be playing these teams, at least can you like let us go down there and yeah. hang out in be San Diego? Fun. Like, I don't want to go hang out in Drake, Iowa, but yeah, or uh, Greeley, or Des Moines, Colorado. Yeah, I don't want to do that. But San Diego, like if you're gonna do these, you do a home and away, so that our home and home, so that we can get to go to San Diego one of these years and actually get to you know for a fan put these games yeah. to good use. Yeah. So kind of looking at this week, looking ahead, um, you know. Big questions I have. Um, I'm excited to see what the Cats do against San Diego. Um, I think they're going to play this game pretty conservative. I think that they'll. I think they're going to win this by a big margin. But 
Um, if I'm Montana State, I'm kind of using this as a game to work out the kinks before we head into the conference schedule. Conference-wise, big questions that I have. Um, Sacramento State, they're going to lose this week to Cal. Um, can they actually compete in the Big Sky Conference? Is this going to be a write-off game uh, every time they see someone in the top half? Everyone has, we, you and I have them ranked seven out of 13, so right in the middle. Um, or can Sacramento State kind of turn it around and be a, be a competitive team when they're playing the good teams? Um, other questions I have uh, primarily center on Northern Colorado and what the health is with uh, Dylan McCaffrey. Is he going to come? Like, I, it, I did not watch um, full admission. I did not watch the highlights of Northern Colorado this week. Um, I did not, did not watch that game. So I don't know how serious his injury was. The press round, it just talks about how he, you know, he left. There's no prognosis going forward. It's a shoulder injury. Um, but if he's out, that, you know, that really hurts Northern Colorado. Obviously, they're playing Lamar this week. It should be a win. Um, but, you know, big question is still McCaffrey, is he coming back or not? Because he's a huge, huge part of that team. Um, and then uh, I think that's kind of like those are those are kind of my big open questions at this point. I think we have a good feeling on the conference um, or at a, another way to say it is based on the games this week. I don't know if we're going to get any answers for other questions. I have a lot of questions about how that top five kind of competes with each other. We're not going to get a lot of answers this week um, uh, on those more kind of more interesting questions, but Sacramento state UNC are the two schools I'm really watching. Any questions on your end that you're paying particular attention to? No, I was just seeing if we're actually going to be talking about Northern Colorado having two wins before October Yeah, uh, against that. Lamar team, Lamar is ranked 222 in the Sagarin ratings, which puts them on the back half, obviously, around a, around a Drake or a San Diego. So definitely a winnable game for Northern Colorado. Yeah. Um, there, uh, I also, you know, have questions about um, – not questions, but I wish. It's a wish almost. I wish that it was another, it was a top five Big Sky team playing Arizona. So an NAU yes. goes to Arizona. Arizona's ranked 108 in the Sagarin ratings, which is lower than U of M. It's right by Weber, right by Davis, right by, I mean, it's, we're within Montana, Weber State through Montana State is within 12 in the rankings of Northern, or of, of Arizona Wildcats. It would have been cool to see, you know, an Eastern Washington a Weber, Davis, Montana State play Arizona and have a chance to win that game. So it sucks that we have to send NAU over there to lose a very winnable FCS versus FBS game. So that was like not a question, but almost a wish. Um, and then, uh, you know, I just want to also uh, hopefully see Idaho cover against Oregon State so my buddy has to chug a beer. And that's really the only other question I had this week on those slate of games was hopefully Idaho can cover against the Beavs up in Corvallis and um, – yeah. Show a little bit of pride for the big sky versus the Pac-12. So, um, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, it's completely random. I So I always have up the the ESPN schedule um, on one of my screens here while we're talking. Uh, the scoreboard, the schedule that I had up, I accidentally started scrolling back years and years and years. Um, and I stopped 2006, week three, 2006. Let me just run through some of these weird scores from the Big Sky Conference. Number one, UC Davis beat the Cats 45-0. to zero. Do you remember that? Remember that game? 2006. 2006. Uh, I a junior. I do not remember that You don't that remember game. that game? Uh, no. Weird outcome there. Uh, 
Northern Arizona played Dixie State, which I think was a D2 program, beat them uh, yeah. pretty easily. Northern Colorado beat F- FBS Texas State 14-13. to 13. Um, And there's one more weird one. Oh, Central Washington beat Eastern Washington 21-14. So 15 years ago doesn't seem, uh, when you're our age, it doesn't seem that long ago. When you're in college listening to this, 15 years seems like a million years ago. Uh, But things can change. Eastern Washington losing to Central Washington 21-14. That is not an outcome you would expect to see in 2021. I just wanted to share that. 45-0 UC Davis over, over Montana State. That's insane. I, I must have blocked that game out of my head. I just went and looked at the box score. Chris Carpenter was the quarterback, had 119 yards and two interceptions. Isaiah Taito, uh, who I know decently well, uh, with seven carries and 20 yards. Cool Didn't brand. quite get it done against the Aggies that day. And it was Montana. It was a home game, so I don't know what I was doing that day. I, there was multiple reasons why I could have blocked that one out of my memory banks. But, wow, how, how times do change. Yeah. Um, other than that, do we got anything else to cover? I think that's it. The one last thing we have our Alex Singleton watch, the captain of the mighty Philadelphia Eagles. Dominant. Winning. Eagles. Winning their first game over the Washington football team. Alex Singleton, eight tackles, three solo, five assists. The, the third leading tackler on the Philadelphia Eagles. So congratulations. The first game back here in 2021. He earns that C. He yeah. gets eight tackles and leads to. I'm sorry, they beat the Falcons. I was going to say, it's about to. Sorry about to that. correct. They you. beat the Falcons yeah. 30, 32 to 6 over the Falcons. Either way. <laughs> Either way, we're just so himself. happy for him. <clears throat> we're just so happy for him. The, the Washington football team lost to the Chargers. Yeah. When is the Eagles bye week? Let's try to get him back on the pod. Eagles bye week is. This is good this radio. Is good um, really good. Early December, so it might be might work out perfectly uh, to have him on to talk about a Cats playoff game. Um, they play the December fifth, and then don't play again until the nineteenth. Yeah, twelve twelve would be you know that Sunday. Yeah. All right. Let's let's pencil that in. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I'll throw I'll throw a little DM that way. I love it. All right, man. Um, well, great. Uh, no news from uh, Josh Eustis. No news from Brock Osweiler. Um, or the rest of the gang, but uh, it, it was a fun weekend to watch football. Not a great weekend of football, good outcomes. I think that's going to be the case this weekend. The week after that, we get mostly into conference play, and things really start to shake out. Uh, but we're in mid-September, Nate, and it's uh, it's uh, there's not been a bad game played by the Montana Grizzlies or the Montana State Bobcats. Yep, that's all you can hope for two games into the year. We saw full stadiums, which is something we never thought we would see again when we were going <laughs> yeah. through the depths of everything last year when they canceled the season. Ugh. So it's so cool to see both uh, Bobcat Stadium and Washington Grizzly Stadium absolutely rocking on Saturday night. You know, I bet that helped with a lot of the recruiting, having atmospheres like that for both teams. They both got some in-state recruits after that, so you knew that atmosphere yep. uh, was going to be crazy, and the coaches definitely brought – the players to the right game of the season to really harness that energy that there's been no outlet for for a long, long time. So like you said, the games weren't great, but the outcomes were fantastic for us. Uh, We hope everybody had a great week watching football, had a good time listening to this. We're excited to come back next week and talk about the games um, from this past week, see if we have a James Madison Weber breakthrough, like what's going to happen there. That's probably the most intriguing thing. But in the meantime, hope everybody has a fantastic week. Just so glad football's back. Yeah. 
Download download this episode on Apple. Go to Spotify, download it there. Go to Stitcher, download the episode there. Just download, download, download. Tell your friends to download Montana Mid Sports and the rest of the shows in the Montana Podcast Network. But uh, awesome talking to you, man. And yeah, good luck to the cats. I'll be enjoying my bye week and uh, maybe trying to get a sneak appearance of one Jeff Cho when I'm at a Texas versus Rice football game this weekend. So there you go. fingers Cody crossed. Coordinator Jeff Cope. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll tell Jeff you said hey. And uh, yeah, Please man. Do. Good talking to you. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. I was in a random man